90% of people who try social media are like willy-nilly about it. And that's not what works. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse. And today my guest is Shaili Hack. Hacking. It's okay. I, I know I tried it twice before, and then as soon as I started talking, I screwed it up. You're you know awesome, what? That's not though. the worst. It's not the worst way that I've butchered somebody's name, though, so don't feel too bad. But yes. Shiley is from yoursocialmediasherpa.com. Today we're talking about social media marketing mindset. Shiley, how are you today? I am good. I'm so excited to talk to you. I think we have collective superpowers in the house that can market so many different businesses. So I, I can't wait to dive in with you. Doing great. <laughs> so I've right outside. I I really like the name Sherpa. Do you want to explain like how you got started and how you came up with that idea? Oh my gosh. Yes. So I'm going to make sure to share the Sherpa part. It's a cute story. But so part of my world is I love I, I love teaching. I love empowering people. It's something that I knew I always loved to do. I graduated from Indiana with a teaching license and I taught some stuff for a few years. I love making kids like feel good about themselves, all that kind of stuff. At the same time, I was also like uh, like learning social media. I got the honor of volunteering my my expertise of social media with a charity group. Didn't know they were using me for my my experiments online, but I learned everything, got a job at a digital agency doing social media. Uh, it was awesome. It was great. One thing led to another and I was a freelancer doing social media. Fast forward uh, in my business, I was at a BNI meeting. I'm sure a lot of people listening have been to BNI meetings where everyone's networking, pitching their ideas and beyond. And I'd been at this group visiting for quite a few meetings. So they had gotten to know me. And one of the people there was like, Shiley, I know you're a rock star at social media. I don't think I can hire you for social media, but can I just pay you to like sit down and teach me how to do social media? I realized I was like, wait, I'm a teacher. I know social media. I love empowering people. This is exactly what I need to be doing with my life. Light bulb moment hit me a few years ago that I needed to focus my energy on teaching social media. So that looks like me coaching uh, around 200 ladies through one of my clients on how to do their own marketing, how to get consulting clients using LinkedIn. I've worked with like dozens of different businesses from real estate people to photographers. I have a matchmaker that I'm working with right now. And I wanted to be a matchmaker once, but not doing that. But it led <laughs> me to like working with so many different people. And so for the longest time, like me being a teacher, I was calling my Myself, like your social media tutor, your social media teacher, because that's what I thought of myself. And one of my mentors, Catherine Johns, who was a radio badass here in Chicago, she's everybody who's listened to the radio in the last 30 years knows who she is. Very cool lady. She's like, Shiley, you know, I've, I keep hearing you talk about your business, but like, I don't like that name. It's not going to work for people. She's like, you know what? I have been holding back, but I really think you should change it to Sherpa. And I was like, Sherpa? Like what? Like that's, that's so random. Like what, what is that? What should I do? Is that weird? Is that offensive? Is it cool? Is it inclusive? I have no idea. But she's like, yeah, your audience will appreciate that more. And I was like, you know what? A name of a business isn't for me. It's for my ideal clients. And I, I made overnight, I changed my website, changed my LinkedIn just to see what would happen. And like people, everywhere I go, there was Sherpa scooters, Sherpa mattresses, Sherpa, I don't know, Sherpa 
ad agency, whatever it is, they were all over the place. And I was like, okay, this is, if this isn't a sign, I don't know what is. And everybody loved it. And I was like, great. So I'm now your social media Sherpa. I'm here to guide you on how to do your own marketing, give you clarity and accountability and support to understand how these platforms work so that you don't have to sift through all the marketing noise that's out there. So that's what I do. I do lots of one-on-one learning workshops, podcasts, uh, and beyond. So that's, that's me. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny the 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 Sherpa metaphor is you know getting somebody else to do the kind of heavy lifting for you, right? <laughs> well, you know, guidance, the guiding you up the mountain. It's true of marketing. I'm guiding them. I'm by their side, so they're not alone. They don't have to know everything. I could know everything, and I could help them do more of what they want in their business. Right. There's so much to know that. And I'm, honestly, we've just been talking about this kind of a lot since since COVID started with on the show. We've been talking a lot about how business owners, all the separate platforms expect them to know all of this information. But what they don't take into account is that there's so many platforms. Right. So if you're a business owner, somehow you're supposed to know how to run your business all the licensing and stuff you need for oh, your city and your organization, yes. plus bookkeeping, plus accounting, inventory, marketing, structure, sales. leases, marketing, sales, oh. and then also dealing with COVID regulations, you know, safety regulations. And then you're also supposed to know everything about Google Local, SEO, <laughs> pay-per-click, yes. Facebook, Instagram, yep. TikTok, you know, LinkedIn. Oh. Like the, the list is so long. Endless. Right. And there's no way that anyone can know it all. No. No, absolutely not. It is overwhelming. It is. I say this analogy all the time. It's shiny object syndrome, too, because as a business owner, you see this person saying, hey, I can give you six figures in two months or two days or whatever. And it's like that all sounds glamorous. People buy into it and they, you know, they don't you know how to implement it or whatever. And it's like there's so much it's overwhelming. Oh, I need, like you said, everything you just listed, they're being told by like 10 different people to try it. And it's not focused. And no wonder people don't like social media because they don't see results because it's not focused. Right. So and that's the part where I'm like, let me clear that up for you. Let me get rid of the noise and let me teach you how what you're already doing for your business is exactly what's going to make you win on social media. I connect those dots for them. Sure. So if you are a business owner now and I would say, I mean, there's obviously there's different things for different types of businesses. Uh, but if you're let's say you are you are some kind of service provider like mortgage, real estate, maybe you're a coach, um, or maybe even if you're a local service provider of some kind, you know, you're tradespeople, that kind of stuff. What do you think are the platforms that they should be focused on? Great question. So the local service-based businesses who are good at networking are the ones that have the most potential for a wide, wide variety of platforms. So it comes down to this is how I think about it. It it, it, platforms come and go, but it's the question I, I ask them is where are your people and where do you like to make stuff? If you can find a sweet spot of a kind of platform that or kind of content that you like in a place where your people are or that you can bring your people, that's where you're going to win. So some people really like making TikToks. I've, I've gotten very obsessed with TikTok lately. If your people are on there, if you like making short videos that are cute and creative, that might be a good place to be. I love making video. And I know you've talked about some video stuff here. Takes a long time. I used to spend 15 hours last year making one LinkedIn video, but I would get thousands of views and leads and all this good stuff. And it paid off, but I'm tired. But I know for me that my community and the people that love what I do are watching me on LinkedIn. So, and I know that 
that written content for me on LinkedIn has done really well. So that's where I focus my energy. So that's one factor. The other factor, and I want to reiterate this fact, is that if you are one of these local businesses, you for sure, 100%, everyone tells me, oh, I get my business by referral. I don't need social media. But they don't realize that business referral network is essentially what wins on social media. As if you have an audience, you have a community, that's where you win on social media. I, my matchmaker that I was just talking about has an enormous list of 400 potential matchmaking clients or lead generators or whatever on a list. And she hasn't emailed a single one of them. She has an audience that already loves her and knows that she's great at what she does. If she put content out in front of that list, whether that be email marketing or whatever, they're going to remember that she's an expert and now they can have that light bulb moment to say, oh, I need to send them to her matchmaking company. That's the stuff. So for a lot of local connectors, they're for especially for a service based business, LinkedIn is going to be the bomb. LinkedIn is going to be awesome. So if you have eyeballs of people that you think could buy your service at one point, if you feed them content that shows them that you are an expert or what they didn't know they needed, that's where the sweet spot is. If you tell them, like, here are my top five mortgage tips that you didn't know about, I'm going to see that because not enough people are producing content for LinkedIn. So if there's not enough content on LinkedIn, you're putting out stuff that I didn't know I needed. I'm going to know that you're my mortgage guy because I don't have anybody else telling me this information. That's the that's the sweet spot. The more you can answer your clients FAQs, which I know for SEO is important, too. The more you can answer what they're most desiring and put that in front of them on LinkedIn or wherever those people are, the better. So that's ultimately what it comes down to feeding the people where they are with information that shows you as the expert. That's right. And you talked about BNI. And mm-hmm. so BNI and you and I before the show talked a little bit about Chamber because I'm at yeah. Coworking Space, which is a nonprofit uh, co-working space with the Hillsborough Chamber. I think if you're in a business networking group, which I think most people have either tried or they are in one right now, you're going to know that you're not there to sell to the people in your group. You're there to tell them how to identify the signals from the people they know that shows that they need your service. So an example would be like if it's your service as as the social media Sherpa, right? I, I would say, OK, if somebody's uh, is talking about how they're confused about social media or they don't know what to do or they don't understand, you know, somebody's like, I don't really understand what what LinkedIn's for. You know, that's that's a signal that you can use. Right. To say, okay, I know somebody that I can refer Shayla to. Now, the exactly the same thing works on social media as works in that platform. Right. Yep. You're just people think about it the wrong way. Yeah. And you're not on, you know, you're not on LinkedIn trying to sell to people. You're on LinkedIn trying to give them the signals that they need to identify when they have a problem that you solve or someone they know has a problem that you solve. A hundred percent, hundred percent. It is that. And I always compare it to this grocery store moment. You bump into someone at the grocery store and you instantly are like, oh, yeah, I was, you know, all these things I was thinking about you. Blah, blah, blah. But if they don't think about you one time for six months, do you think they're going to call you if they're the mortgage guy? No. But if they see you every day consistently showing up, not every day, but I mean, I think consistency is important for social media. So always finding a manageable amount that you can maintain. That's a whole other category of information, but that is a big part of it. But coming up consistently to remind people what you do is how I get leads. It's how people remember that I do what I do. And every time without, what is it, without question, every time I post on LinkedIn, I get three or so messages of people like, oh, Shiley, maybe you should talk to this person or you should talk to that person because they forget about you till they see you again. And most of them don't have any of this going. It is such a differentiator. So, and of course, the social media server has to be good at social media. So 
<laughs> you know, there's a good friend of mine at BNI. He had our BNI group in Beaverton, Oregon. He he stands up in front of the group right when it's his turn to speak, and uh, you can't see it because we're on a podcast, obviously. But <laughs> he holds the back of his neck, and he like holds his arm up and turns his neck from side to side, and he goes, "If you see somebody do this, give him my card." Ah, that's so great! Right, all you're trying to do is say, "Look, this is a signal." Of someone who needs to go see, you know, a chiropractor or, you know, a physical therapist, right? And I mean, the same ideas can be used for massage and for other things like that, right? Yeah, I have a follow up to that, too, is that it's the signaling, but it's also like, who's going to do the signaling? If I see you and you, you know, if I met that guy yet today, do do I try? I wasn't in BNI with him. Do I trust him? I, as someone who knows nothing about him, I'm probably not going to be the quickest person to refer him business. But let's say you, Matt, if you see me on social media, you've now gotten to know me over this call. You're more likely to refer me out, which is why it's so important that you bring your network that loves and trusts you onto that platform, because those are the people that are going to make the referrals. Just because I do something that your friend needs doesn't mean you're going to trust me enough to do it. So that's why it's so important to tie those two worlds together. So... You know, just to add to that, there's there's an interesting study that was done, uh, and this was done a couple of years ago. I can't remember who did it. I have to go look it up again. But when people are holding a device like a tablet or their phone, what happens is their their body actually perceives it as an extension of themselves and not a different <laughs> object, weird. right? Which is why you get people who have like weird things, like when they don't have their phone on them, they feel like the phantom ringing in their pocket or the you know vibrator oh, you know of gosh. the of the phone, you know, even though their phone's not with them. But it's the same idea as like somebody who's an amputee can feel their toes when they wiggle them, even though they don't have those toes anymore, right? Ooh. It's this phantom signaling, right, that your brain has. But anyways, the study that was done was they took pictures of houses and they showed them to people on a computer and they showed them to them on a phone that was in their hand. And people would rate the fo- the houses that they saw on the phone that was in their hand as being more valuable than the ones wow. they saw on the screen, even though they were the same houses. And the reason is you're holding it, it's yours, right? If you're looking at it on the screen. And the same thing happens with trust. If you are seeing a person face-to-face on a video, on your social media, on in handheld right on your device or your tablet that you're holding in your hand you trust them more than if you just see them on tv or on a screen or something that's mind-boggling i know it's weird how the brain works right but and i mean you're not going on social media to trick people into trusting you right yeah i mean you're doing it because you're trustworthy and you want to prove that you're trustworthy and show that you know what you're talking about building trust it's a trust tool the more Absolutely. they see you putting out good information, the more I trust them. There's like, I don't know, 10 TikTokers that I'm obsessed with that I'm like, like there's one lady called Color My Credit and she's taught me everything I need to know about mortgages and credit scores. And I'm like, I wish I could use her here in Chicago. I don't even know. I don't even need to buy a house, but I'm like, I want to use her for something, but I can't even do it. But, I'm a, but she's told me everything I know. She's my trusted source. The more I see her show up, the more I want her to be my person. And when it comes to like real estate, everybody's a real estate agent. Like it's who you are. It's what you know, the special angle of who you serve. Like, do you work with empty nesters? Do you work with first time home? Buyer? Like the more you know about each of these markets, the more I can trust you for a million other markets. So that's huge to me. It's funny that you're talking about somebody, you know, like in mortgage on TikTok, the average person thinks TikTok is, you know, teenage girls dancing around to sell Not anymore. It was four years ago. Not anymore. And that's what always happens, right? What? People don't understand how the platform's changed until it's already kind of happened. Yep. 
Oh, I could talk about this all day too. I love it. I still get people telling me, well, you know, my customer's not on Facebook. Well, a third of the planet is on Facebook. So they're on Facebook, right? Or or Instagram or WhatsApp or something that Facebook oh, owns, oh, right? Something that Facebook owns. I love that. I just assume that Facebook owns it. Yeah. Right. I mean, or Google, right? I mean, or one Google, of the two yeah. pretty much. But, you know, talking about TikTok, you've got Reels in Instagram now that is basically a TikTok ripoff. Apparently the TikToks are the ones that are doing the best on Reels right now. T- things taken off of TikTok, which I think is hilarious. They completely ripped it off and they're not even trying to hide it. And then not to get into any politics or anything, but there's a prominent U.S. politician trying to ban TikTok who also happens to have a donor, happens to have a donor that started an app, I believe is called Tiller, which is a Facebook or which is a TikTok clone that's U.S. based. So that whole shenanigans is going on. That part I didn't know about that he that because I, I was sure there was some sort of financial link, but I didn't know. That was a- ah, there's always you got to follow the money, right? It doesn't follow matter. The money. There's always somebody with some money involved in some kind of I don't think it's going anywhere. TikTok, I wanted to say it is great. They're putting money into education, training, beyond like they're putting they have a community. They have curated like I'm a Middle Eastern Jewish woman. Like there's not a lot of us in Chicago. Like I'm Moroccan Iranian, and they have somehow found those people on TikTok and put them in front of my face. It is so affirming when I don't see people like me on TV, but like TikTok has found them and put them in front of me. Like no other platform has given me that gift and to like bring me to people that i never thought i could relate to like that to me is just it's it's kind of life-changing and i i love it so love you tiktok <laughs> there's a very weird thing happening with tiktok that doesn't happen on other platforms and uh, except when they were younger platforms which is the average person is watching like 50 to 100 videos a day but they're only making one you know, so there's way more people trying to see content than there is content available for them to see. Lickers. Yes. LinkedIn is exactly the same way, which is same why way. I love it so much. There's so much eyeballs. If I post something on Monday and one person in my network only checks their LinkedIn once a week, they will see that post 100%, which I think is am- like I can literally guarantee that my network will see it because no one's putting stuff out. So, yeah, there's there's some weird weird stuff going on with some of the LinkedIn, like we had talked earlier about the weird posting. Sometimes the the feed gives you kind of some weird choices, but for the most part, it's pretty good. You know, it, it kind of depends who you're connected to, right? Totally. Um, who you follow. You can follow yeah. people without connecting too. So I don't know if people think realize to, that. Yeah. You, so a connection like on LinkedIn, when you have a connection, both of you automatically see each other's stuff once you're connected. Yep, 100%. Right? Yeah, unless you unfollow them. Whereas something like LinkedIn, oh, on the LinkedIn, other person yeah. has to like it before, you know, their followers see that stuff, right? Before their fans see it. Uh, most of the time, yes, they might get a little bit. But yeah, mostly right. if you like it, your network will see it. It's such a weird hack, but that's so much how I stay in front of people is when I comment on something, I try to be really strategic about how I write it because I know my network will see it. Right. Yeah, on LinkedIn. Yeah. They're definitely seeing it if you're engaging. Totally. And it's like another reminder. It's another top of mind. It's like, oh, Shiley comments on a thing. Shiley's saying this interesting thought. I had one post. It was some, somebody quoted Elon Musk. It had like like 6,000 views at this point. And they were like, it was like, you know, we should, you know, we throw baby showers, people. Why don't we throw like you're starting a business party? And everybody was like, yes, what a great idea. I love it. This is great. I was like, 
the first word I always write, I wanted to capture their attention. I'm like, I disagree. It was like something to the fact that like, I don't <laughs> agree with you. And I had 18 likes from some of people, some, a bunch of them were from my network, but from people who didn't know me, that post over the course of like a week and a half went from 6,000 views to like 20,000 views. I wouldn't be surprised if that one comment was viewed by at least a thousand people, if not thousands of people. And I know my network saw it and I know that people liked a dissenting view and I was honest about it and I made a really good case. And it, you know, I don't know how many people saw me for that, but who knows who's going to lurk and follow me now because of it. Uh, I definitely am getting followers from what I want my content of people that I don't know, not my biggest focus. If they want to come out from the woodworks, they will, but it is nice to know that I am getting eyeballs from my comments on big posts. So I see people post stuff and they complain that like, well, nobody's commenting on my stuff. And I'm like, but you have all the lurkers. <laughs> you do. They don't understand what a lurker is. So social media lurker is someone who never likes or comments on stuff or almost never, but they're out there and they're watching. And it's like the majority of people. It's not the minority of people. Such a big, it's like maybe like 5% might come out and, and say something. But I'll also share this is that, you're allowed to get people to engage with your stuff the same way that you invite people to a party. You can invite people to check out your post and comment on it and like on it. I mean, there's a whole, and I I don't say this is a really strategy for everybody, but there's a whole concept of being in a pod where you can do this on Instagram engagement pods and stuff. Like if you use it strategically, it could benefit you again, what you pod with other people will show up in front of your network, like you said, uh, but it can boost your post to a wider audience. And in a lot of ways that I started my social media was doing that, knowing that at some point I wouldn't need it anymore because of the audience I've curated on there. I knew it was going to take off on its own, um, which is true. That's what's worked. A lot of why I have traction on LinkedIn is because everybody that I look at who likes on my stuff are people that I've made a relationship with in person or through one-on-one conversations. And I think a lot of people forget that that's a direct link to social media. And, and so I started potting at the beginning, but people took off. People liked my content. I fed them with what they wanted to know. And in combination, bam, I got thousands of views on my posts and it feels really good. <laughs> so talking about pod, that's where you have a group of people who've all agreed to like and comment on each other's content. Yeah. It's also totally against the terms of service of most platforms, but yeah, they, don't really, they don't really do anything about it. I mean, you could always do it off platform, but Shh, we won't tell Instagram, but you don't have to make <laughs> it formal. Like it could be like, I know I'm kidding. Matt, can you like this post of mine? And I usually tell people like, ask people who aren't your business competitors. I don't ask professional colleagues, ask like your cousin or like your mom or like your boyfriend or whatever. Ask a few of those people. Cause they don't really care. And they're not even on the platform anyway, but it helps. <laughs> yeah. If it's like a video or something, you know, you can ask your, you know, if it's business relevant, you can ask your BNI people or your chamber people or, you know, your business networking people and say, Hey, can you go watch my video and hit the thumbs up button or, yeah. You know, get more views on it. That's always helpful to get it to spread. Yeah. But it's it's also the, the fact is that people forget the social capital plays into that, right? If I'm nagging you every single week to like my post, like I might not want to do it anymore. So you want to make it either worth their while or you want to tell them, hey, thanks for helping me out with this um, and appreciate that. And that's what I try to do my best on. I always say, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Or I, you know what I do if somebody if I've asked somebody to do that, I always reply in, to their comment with a plug to what they do or what they're trying to sell or whatever their their services. So we have an event producers. So like shout out to like Eva and Yoni. They host events virtually now and uh, physically in Chicago. I always say, hey, thanks so much for hosting all these amazing events with Ace Events. 
um, like you guys rock. I really love the streamers or whatever. And I always say thank you. And I plug because I know people read the comments and then now, I've now thanked them with a little bit of advertising because I have people that look at my stuff and, and they, you know, they did me a solid and it's a win-win. So, or like my, you know, my friend Evan is like a chess master and he's got chess camps all over. I'll always say, Hey, thanks so much, Evan. I loved watching you play chess when you came to Chicago for a tournament. Keep up the good. I hope your camps are going well. Such a simple way to like thank somebody. And it's, I think so many people are selfish with this, but that's what business owners understand better than anybody. That's why I'm like, these are the people that can win the most. Just because you know how to make a pretty picture on Canva. Like there's social media managers can do that all day, but you as a business owner and all your colleagues at BNI, they get this thing that most people who do social media don't, which is why they can win, but they don't just don't have the knowledge to kind of bridge those two worlds together. Yeah. And I think that there's definitely kind of like we were saying earlier, there's a time component to it where you already have all these other things that you have to do and you have to know how do you determine where is your time most effectively spent on social media? And, you know, that may be a good question. How do you determine where your time is most effective on social media. I will tell you half of what I do with my clients is accountability. It's helping them prioritize and refocus and then holding them accountable to their goals. So I always say this, find a manageable amount that you can produce. I see this all the time. Like I had one client who's got this really cool CBD product and she wants to empower women with their finances and all this kind of good stuff. And she said to me, oh, I hired someone. She made 30 posts for me. I'm going to post one every day. And I was like, no, 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 because you're excited now, but in a month, you're going to be tired and you're not going to want to do this. But if you posted maybe one a week, now people on Instagram will tell you, oh, you need to post a certain amount or you need to do this. No, it's okay. One a week is still consistent. If you even post once a week, if you spread those out, that's great. It's going to give you more time to do something about it. But I think people like to, I don't know, I hate to say the word blow your load, but they blow all of their content really quickly. And, and you can space it out. For me, people are shocked. I post once a month on LinkedIn, but once a month is what I know I can maintain currently in my life. But I've been consistent for almost two years on my LinkedIn strategy. And, and that's what's worked for me. That's the simplest thing that's saying 90% of people who try social media are like willy nilly about it. And that's not what works. So like even for my email marketing, I spent the last year writing out draft content so that when I did hire someone to help me edit those emails, I was ready to go. That if I ever wanted to make an evergreen-ish email series, I now can repeat some emails and I have an email that goes out every other week that could essentially go on for decades to come if I want to. I leave it on my active campaign and it'll just keep going. But it's because I planned ahead of time. And that's the part that's hard. So it's picking a platform, maybe two, finding a consumable amount of content that, that my clients can create and then helping them figure out what they need to make. That's the biggest thing. So I usually try to prioritize their efforts. That's really the biggest part. They don't know that they don't have to do as much as they think they do. And honestly, they shouldn't have to make so much. There's a, you can get by with a lot less than people realize. That consistency piece is great. I don't care how many. If you can be consistent at least every week or two or something like that, we're in good shape. Yeah, I talk about that in our email course in Inbox Mastery. We talk about how if you are a plumber, you don't need to be sending out three emails a week because I don't need to know that much about toilets, right? Every other week is enough. Yeah, like... And it's really going to depend on your business, right? Yeah, like true. if you're a business and you've got 40,000 SKUs, you can send out three, four or five emails a week because you've got different people who want different products. But well, that's a whole next level of marketing. That's, that's a whole new thing, right? I don't even have that problem yet. So. And I mean, the same thing goes with social media. The thing that people forget is that the algorithm is there to determine what the best content is for the person who's reading it. Right. It's not on the end of the person posting. The algorithms are on the end of the person reading. Yeah. Right. Point, yeah. So 
if you have one really good piece that somebody is going to see, the algorithm will show it to them. If you have 20 mediocre ones, it's not going to show them any of them. And that's what I see. I see crap content. So much bad content out there. Yeah, the Internet's full of garbage. It literally is full of garbage. There is crap all over the Internet. Uh, So here's the interesting thing. There is somewhere in the neighborhood, I think it's five point something billion web pages that Google has indexed. But they only index about 20 percent of content that's online. Really? So there is like 30 or 40 billion pages of garbage on the Internet that's not indexed. So you have to be to be able to be seen by Google. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about the SEO world for a second, I know we mentioned that earlier. Uh, Yes, please. I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm like, you're an SEO god. I'm like, let's I, I'm curious because I just started. I publishing blog. So let me tell you the first thing. The first thing is, if you think that you are going to rank for a term without doing any work, you've got another thing coming because every single person who is ranking well for something has done some type of SEO work. Sure. Because the only way that you're going to rank for something that someone else hasn't been doing search optimization for is if nobody has figured out that that's a term that people are going to search for yet. So here's a magic, magic, magic thing for almost any business, okay? Yeah. If you can find a product or service name or a combination of things that someone is going to ask in the future, but you go do keyword research and you find no results for that, that's something that you want to target. Oh, good. Because that means the search tool, that means that the search tools haven't figured out that people are going to want to see that yet. Now, that's a very hard thing to do, right? Oh, maybe I haven't done it yet. But... (laughs) What happens? Well, here's the thing, okay? In the SEO world, everybody uses the same tools that all pull the same data from the same couple search engines. So everybody's got the same information. Okay. And everybody looks at it and says, well, what are the top most, you know, top 10 most typed in terms for whatever my business is, right? And so let's say it's social media coaching, right? You'll go and it'll be like social media coach, social media coaching, how to find a social media coach, blah, 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 blah. If you're going after those terms, so is every other social media coach in the whole world, right? Yeah, not, not worth it. You know, what you need to do is determine some terms that people use when they're on their way to searching for what you do, but probably things that they type in either before or after they type in something like social media coaching, right? So it might be like... Social media coaching for mortgage brokers or something like that? Yeah, and I mean... <laughs> Yeah, it's probably, I mean, you can get specific. That's kind of using long tail keywords. Oh, so it's different. Okay. Which is fine. But what you want to find is something that's on the journey before somebody figures out that they need a coach, right? So it might be something like, should should a plumber be on LinkedIn, you know, or like, I, I always like to use the plumber example, but, you know, it could be something like, like, how do I make a LinkedIn video? Right. Anybody who's into social media knows there's not a specific type of video for LinkedIn, but somebody who needs a social media coach does not know the answer to that question. Right. So these are targets, terms that you can target. So when I say you're going to target a term, I mean, you're going to make a page on your website that is about that topic. Which is, a, it's a blog, right? Or are you talking about a website? a blog, article, page, whatever. And it's all the same? Is that all the same? That's all fine. Okay, that's good to know. It's all considered a document by Google. Interesting. So I want to ask a follow-up. So I found 
two areas, and I don't know, I even shouldn't even say this on the air. I have no idea. Two areas that I didn't see anybody making quality content around that I decided I'm going to write something about it. And so I created them and I sort of, I don't know, I, my own version of trying to do keyword research and I made them because nobody really solved the question that I thought that keyword should have solved. Now, I don't know if I even can compete, but somebody said, like, if you can make better quality content than what's ranking on there that better answers the question, apparently that helps. Is that enough? It needs to be not just marginally better, but exceptionally better than all of the other stuff. And was that enough to like eventually, is that, I mean, a, a few months or something, does that go up or do I have to like, I have to do all the backlinks? Depends how competitive the term is. Aha. Uh -huh. All right. So here's, here's a good, good example. Okay. Yeah. So there was a contest on the internet and it was kind of like a black hat SEO contest to see who could rank for this term. Like instantly? Well, it was some city in the UK and uh, it was sponsored by an SEO tool. And the idea was that you had to try to rank um, for this term. I believe it was the name of the city plus the word like house painting or something like that. So so whoever's website that they built ranked the highest at the end wins the prize. That's so weird. That's so cool. And the guy who won had a default website that just had the title like city name plus painter. Let's say the city name is London just for the sake of argument. So he made one that said London house painter and all the rest of the website was in Latin and he won the prize. So obviously content doesn't conquer all because he was able to beat out everybody else's content by doing something that's called offsite signals and offsite signals are things like intent signals, location-based signals, backlinking, and all that kind of stuff. So it takes a combination. You have to have good content if you want to rank above other people who have good content, but you also have to get all the other stuff correct, which in uh, at the very most basic level means you need lots of places linking back to back your to content. You. Right, the domain authority. But you want relevant places linking back to you. Are people open about that? Like if, cause I know that there's blogging for other people that apparently will, will make me look good. Cause if I blog for someone else and they link back to my website, apparently I get some street cred is th that's one thing that I, from what I understand, the other thing is, um, that guest posting. Yeah. Guest posting. I've heard of that before. And then if I want to do backlinking, like somebody who said, like they saw a template, they're like, if you send this to a company, tell them to link back to you. Like, what does that even entail for me? Like, do I ask them to say, Hey, I think this is helpful to you. Can you tag me in an article? Like, what is that actual, what's the reasonable expectation for something like that? So if you're doing link building is what you're talking about. Yeah, there you go. I don't even know the name. <laughs> right. Link building would be like, so I have an article that ranks number one for how to remove negative or fake Yelp reviews on the internet. It ranks number one for a whole bunch of similar terms. Great. Okay. And I wrote that article and I, the, the way that it got ranked so highly is that number one, there weren't very many good articles about the subject. So like at the time when I originally wrote it, the best article was about two paragraphs long and mine was about seven pages long. It was way more detailed had lots of, of ranking signals like images and memes and text and outgoing links and incoming links and all of these things uh, that were important that Google sees as trust factors to say, this is a trustworthy piece of content. It's got all the information. It's asking and answering questions. It's got all the, 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 the signals that tell us that this is a document that answers the question, 
how to get rid of a fake Yelp review, right? But then as time went on, people started to pass us in the rank because they saw that our article was long and they would take the information, reword it and put it on their own site. So the next thing we did is we made an infographic, which is an informational graphic that has a bunch of statistics and stuff on it. And then I went and found other websites um, talking about how to get rid of fake reviews that were not review companies because those were the people trying to beat me at my own game kind of thing. Oh, so I went to companies like photographers and restaurants and bar associations and stuff who have problems with getting a lot of fake reviews. And then I said, well, here's this infographic that can talk about how many reviews that, you know, uh, how many reviews are there on Yelp and and how big is the platform and stuff like that. And then you can, you know, copy, you can link back to this article to say, if you get a negative review, here's how you can remove it. And they would link back to my article. So all those associations linking back to my article are what pushed it back up the ranks. And then it turns into eventually it turns into a bit of a war, right? Because then other people will get more backlinks so that they can try and rank higher, which means I got to go upgrade my content. So then I added a a blog or a a podcast recording to it about the same topic. So you just keep adding more value. (laughs) Right. You just keep making it better, right? Interesting. So if I can follow up on this, so you're reaching out to non-competitors and you're saying this content is valuable to them. So are they now, are you asking them to publish, like republish or like publish a blog that links to your blog? Like, what are you asking them to do? I'm saying here is a link. So let's say that, so, I mean, your company would be a good example. I'd say, okay, one of the big things that business owners have a problem is what if they get a bunch of fake reviews, you know, on Yelp or somewhere, right? Right. right. And so that, you know, or on Facebook for their social media, whatever platform, doesn't matter. I'd say if this is happening to, you know, your students, here's a link that you could use to to just link to this content that'll teach them how to do it. It's not salesy. There's no cost to it or anything like that. And here's a cool infographic that you can use uh, if you'd like, you know, and if this is helpful, you know, let me know. If not, don't worry about it kind of thing. And, you know, you hit enough people. Sooner or later, somebody's going to think it's interesting and then they're going to post it. And then that backlink gets indexed and Google says, this person is saying that your content is helpful because they're posting it to their audience. And when they say posting it to their audience, posting it as like a, a blog? Yeah, it could be a blog or, you know, an article of some kind. Or a resource. So like I have a resource page on my 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 personal website, shilyhakimian.com has all my favorite podcasts, all my favorite content producers, all my favorite referral links. Like if I like if somebody had that and they used your article as a link, that would give me credit, let's say if I were you. Right. Like if I referred you as like if you want to learn about SEO, talk to Matt, here's a link to his website. If I put it on my resource list, that's enough to give you credit. Yes. Ah. Now, the more of that credit that you get, all of these things are called ranking factors. And the more that Google weights that factor is how much it improves your ranking. And those weighting systems change over time. And that's why when you hear about somebody's like, well, the Panda update came out and and now I don't rank anymore. Well, when they say it's something like like a Panda update, that's the code name for the update that Google used and the update that they're talking about is they've changed the weight of those factors 
so that some of them are more important now and some of them are less important now. Or maybe new things have come out that they've added to the system. And there's another thing that Google uses, and this is where it gets a little more difficult, is they have a thing called RankBrain, which is a artificial deep learning system that will test different websites in different positions to see how people respond to it. And it makes changes to the algorithm based on those real-time changes. Like, so it runs these real-time tests 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all over the world. And then it makes changes based on those tests. And we don't know what those changes are and neither does Google. So it's done automatically. There's so much here. I have just mind boggled with all of this stuff and I feel like I've just learned so much because I I this is my new shiny object like I'm very curious about SEO I've been watching podcasts I've been listening to other people trying to figure out some basic level that if I do these blogs how can I like win from like a very beginner standpoint so I am so appreciative of this you've given me so much clarity and a little bit more confidence that I may be able to do a little something to improve my website so right. well, thank thanks you. for helping everybody out with their uh, social media ideas and how to get yes. rolling on LinkedIn And, you know, we'll have to talk about it more another time also. Yes, for sure. Uh, But before you go, one other thing that's great for SEO is being on podcasts. Oh, really? Because then your your website shows up in the show notes for the podcast. And then the show notes get published on all the different podcast platforms. So every time you're on a podcast, you get about 10 backlinks to your website because it's on all the different platforms places and before we go what's the best way for people to reach out to you or to be in contact with you Oh, absolutely, Matt. Thank you for all of that insight. So I'm on LinkedIn at Shiley Hakimian. My personal website's shai.ly. My, your social media, well, if you go to yoursocialmediasherpa.com, you can see all of what I do to help empower you to do your own marketing. If you want to get your LinkedIn profile improved, I also give away my favorite LinkedIn profile so that you can judge for yourself what will make your profile shine and show you as the ultimate solution for whatever problem it is that you solve. So that's me, Shiley Hakimian at your social media sherpa and can i tell everybody my favorite social media quote before we go Uh, i wish i had written this but someone else did uh social media is about the people not about your business provide for the people and the people will provide for you nice is that jay bear that sounds like something you'd say is that what it is i can't (laughs) remember who wrote it maybe social media i'll give him i'll give him the quote anyway because i've watched a couple of his talks and i've read a couple of his books and every time i'm just like ah why is this guy so smart? He's so smart. It makes me angry. Really? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But you should oh. check out Jay Bear's stuff. All right. We got to roll out here. Yes. Uh, thank you Shiloh. for having me. Uh, but we'll talk again soon. And uh, thank you for your insight on uh, LinkedIn and TikTok and, uh, <laughs> and all those things that, you know, I mean, it's so hard for businesses. I, I'm sure everybody appreciates your help. Thank you so much. And thanks to you. You've helped me as I'm on my SEO journey. So thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to more conversations. Bye. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.